broadcasting from Charlotte, North Carolina on Sports Byline USA, uniting sports fans everywhere. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. People want the authenticity, right? They want to know a little bit more. They don't want just the cliches. For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Uh, I'm thankful that God has delivered me and he's given me a mouthpiece to be able to, a platform as well to be able to share with different people about how good he is. Bringing you high energy and thought-provoking sports talk with a purpose. This is about like the Lord's blessed this opportunity and, and becoming, you grow and you learn things. Now, from his mic to your ears, this is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to Unpacking It, where we unpack sports, faith and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world thanks to everyone joining us today on sports byline usa sirius xm channel 211 dan patrick radio the iheart radio app the TuneIn radio app sportsbyline.com the podcast listeners that will listen to this later we appreciate you as well we have a really fun show for you today a lot of nfl talk of course we're, we're fired up for the super bowl next weekend this is such a weird weekend it's the first you know non-football weekend in, in so long i know the pro bowl but uh, come on we, uh, this, we, we want real football and we'll get that next week and so i'm fired up about that i'm excited about the matchup i think we're gonna get a good game with the rams and patriots and that's all we can ask for i'm not a fan of either team uh but i know that we're, we're seeing the the legends going up against the the young up-and-comers and i think that makes for a great matchup and so today on the show we'll be joined by former NFL tight end Reggie Kelly and so we're going to talk football faith and food with him and then coming up next we're going to be joined by Devin Still now you know the story of what he went through with his daughter Leah and the battle against cancer that that she fought and and she's doing well and so we're going to hear what took place behind the scenes how the experience affected his faith, and he's written a new book all about it. And so we're going to get some some great stories and insight from him today, and I think it'll be an encouragement to all of us with, with what he's learned and gone through and, and really, in many ways, has come out on the other side. So thanks for being with us. We're just getting going. We're unpacking it. Hope you'll stick around. Inspiring conversations and intriguing interviews. More unpacking it with bryce johnson after this going beyond the field this is unpacking it with bryce johnson on sports byline usa and joining us now is former nfl defensive end devin still he played at Penn State and was drafted in the second round of the 2012 draft by the Bengals and spent a few seasons with them before joining the Texans. More importantly, he's a father who helped his daughter Leah battle cancer, and he's written a new book called Still in the Game, Finding the Faith to Tackle Life's Biggest Challenges. He's now a life coach and a motivational speaker and now known as the Comeback Coach. Devin, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Oh, thank you for having me. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. All right. Well, we're we're going to talk all about 
your your story and, and we encourage people to to buy the book and, and to read the the full details but we're going to kind of go through the, the highlights of, of the story and, and go kind of behind the scenes a little bit today so we're excited to do that but but first off how is leah doing today she's doing really good she's almost four years of remission she'll be four years on march 25th so she's just fighting to get to that five-year mark so she could be declared cancer-free Wow. Well, that no, that's encouraging to hear. And so it, with that in mind, let, let's go back to 2014 when, when your four-year-old daughter, Leah, was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And, and you had to put football really on hold to take care of her. So, so what was the experience like personally when your, your NFL dream all of a sudden became secondary to your, really your biggest nightmare of watching your daughter go through this? It was a crazy experience because I've been playing football since I was 13 years old. It was something that I wanted to do since I first touched the football field. You know, I overcame a lot of adversity in order to get to the NFL. But, you know, I knew what was important to me before I got to the NFL. I knew what my values were as a man, and I knew that my faith and my family came before football. So when my daughter was diagnosed with cancer, it was an easy decision to really make, you know, football uh, be secondary and really just focus on my daughter because I knew that if I lost football, I always had a chance of getting it back. But if I lost my daughter, there was no way of getting her back. Wow. So, so, so then day to day when, when you're, when you're with her, what was your kind of mindset and, and responsibility day to day? Like, like what did that take us into that a little bit? Right. So as a, as a parent, when your child is born, you, you make that, silent promise whether you say it to your kid or you say it to yourself where you say that you're going to do everything you can to try to protect your child so when Leah was diagnosed with cancer I felt like I broke that promise and Hmm. you know when you have a child that's battling cancer there's not much you can do for that child you really feel helpless because it's their fight that they have to take on so as a parent and you know as myself my biggest thing was to let her know that she wasn't in this fight alone that I was going to be by her side as much as possible, cheering her on, let her know that she was strong enough to, you know, beat this disease and basically giving her my playbook that I put in my new book that I used to overcome all the obstacles I faced in my life up until that point so she can beat her first battle. Absolutely. And and she she fought hard, no question about it. We're talking with Devin yeah. still here on Unpacking It. And and so at what point did you decide that that you wanted this to be a public fight where where you wanted the the media and fans to to really rally around you because it, it gained a ton of attention what what was kind of the the, the perspective on on how that kind of got out there and took off the way that it did you know it, it took me a while to really feel comfortable enough to to go to the media and really talk about what was going on with my family and because for me I was struggling about why this had to happen to my daughter. Like two months before she got diagnosed, I had just got baptized. You know, I was giving my life to God and I thought that things in my life were supposed to be easier. So when I was hit with this type of adversity, I was questioning God, asking why did this have to happen? And I know a lot of people go through that. Whenever they face a struggle in their life, you know, they pray to God asking why them or they feel like they lost their purpose in life. And sometimes when you pray, you don't get that answer from God. And I know initially when I kept praying, asking, you know, why this had to happen, what was the purpose behind my pain? I didn't get an answer. Hmm. So I decided to give my daughter's battle with cancer a purpose and and use her fight to really raise awareness 
for families who are battling childhood cancer. And I believe because my purpose aligned with God's purpose for this battle, then those doors started opening and we were able to raise a lot of awareness and, and funds for pediatric cancer. Well, also with, with the public uh, attention, a lot of positive came from it. But but was that that hard for you day to day to feel like you always kind of had to be on? You always had to be be strong, and and you know people were were watching you. What was that hard to to also just you know be vulnerable and, and realize that every day you weren't strong, and there were days that that were tough. How, how did that kind of play play a factor in all of that? You know, it was tough with everything unraveling in front of the camera, but I made sure that, you know, I was as transparent as possible. If people were able to see my interviews in the beginning, a lot of my interviews I couldn't conduct without breaking down and crying in that interview because I was going through a lot of emotions at the time. The image that I was always strong because it's going to be a lot of times where you have weak moments in this battle, weak moments with any struggle that you're going through in life, but the key is to not allow those weak moments to turn into a weak mindset. Oh, that's a good line. Devin still with us on unpacking it. And and you talked about how, you know, at first you, you had the perspective of of blaming God that that you couldn't believe this would happen to your to your daughter. So so how did that really switch to then relying on his power and 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 really turning to prayer instead of relying on blaming him? Yeah, so the the more I really just sat back and really understood what we had in front of us, what we were going through. You know, I realized that my daughter had stage four cancer, which meant that she had cancer for a long time without us knowing. And, you know, I just started to believe wholeheartedly that maybe this wasn't God that allowed this to happen. And, you know, the more I just started to read his word, the more my relationship grew stronger with God, I realized that you know, God is not in the tragedy of situations, but he's in the healing of situations. And when I started to take that mindset towards this fight, it didn't become easier, but it made it possible to overcome. Oh, that's good. So along with that, then, what? how, how did your, like now as you look back at, at everything you, you've been through, what what is your message for people regarding the value of pain and suffering because normally you know at first glance it, it's a terrible thing it's hard you never want this you never root for to, to watch your daughter go through this but but how can you you actually look back with thankfulness because of the the, the pain and and because of what god did through it and all that you learned through it right so a, a lot of people we all pray for certain blessings we all have these visions of stories of who we want to become but a lot of us are not willing to go through the pain that it takes in order to get to the place we say we want to be. And for me, I used to always think that life was working against me. Like if you read my book, you hear about all the struggles that I've been through throughout my life. As far as growing up in the inner city, growing up in a in a broken home, going through six different surgeries in order to, to make it to the NFL. And every time I went through a struggle, I felt like my life wasn't getting better. Every time I got the courage to get back up. It felt like life was knocking me down. I, eventually, when I was watching my daughter go through her battle, I started to look back at the things that I went through in my life. And I, I started to realize that life really wasn't working against me, but it was working for me because if I didn't go through the struggles I went through, you know, in my earlier days, then I wouldn't have been able to have the mindset to deal with my daughter battling cancer. I wouldn't have been equipped with the right playbook to help my daughter overcome this disease. Devin Still is our guest right now on Unpacking It. He's got a new book. It's called Still in the Game, 
finding the faith to tackle life's biggest challenges. He played at Penn State and was drafted in the second round of the 2012 draft by the Bengals and spent a few seasons with them before joining the Texans. And we are just getting started with Devin. We've got plenty more to discuss, and we're going to hear more about his faith journey and and some of the the key moments in his life that he writes about in this new book and and get some thoughts on what the the playbook is all about in in what he learned regarding this experience. And and then also, we've got to ask him, what was the most difficult part to include in the book? And, And so he'll answer that when we come back. You're listening to Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. Still to come, Reggie Kelly will join us. But we've got more with Devin Still right after this on Sports Byline USA and Sirius XM Channel 211, Dan Patrick Radio. More sports, faith, and life coming up on Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Thanks so much for joining us here on Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. Check out our website, unpackingit.com. If you haven't subscribed to our email devotional, check that out. And you can also subscribe to our podcast and catch up on all of the great interviews that we've had on this show. Coming up in just a little bit, we'll be joined by former NFL tight end Reggie Kelly to talk football, faith, and food. And then at the end of the show, I'm going to give my thoughts on the now infamous no call in the Saints and Rams game. And I think I've got some some thoughts that you haven't heard yet that that actually relate to our own lives. And so I uh, so hope you'll uh, stick around for that. But right now, we're going to continue our conversation with Devin Still, the author of the new book, Still in the Game, Finding the Faith to Tackle Life's Biggest Challenges. And, 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 and Devin, another word that comes to mind as, as you, you, you think about this story is the word fear. And I can imagine that that, that was a, a daily battle for you to, to think what could happen to, to your daughter. So, so what did you learn about that word and, and how did you learn to battle fear on a day-to-day basis? See, for me, it was different. Um, I wouldn't say I was fearful. I honestly believe I was fearless, cool. but I was scared. You know, I was scared that I was going to lose my daughter. But regardless of how scared I was, I was fearful on the fact that I was going to continue to move forward. Although I didn't know what laid ahead of us, we were going to continue to fight. And for me, that change happened early on in Leah's battle because I felt like everything I was doing in the beginning was making decisions from a scared, you know, mindset, a scared point of view, because I kept telling myself that, you know, I was going to lose my daughter. When the doctors tell you you only have a 50% chance of beating this disease, mm-hmm. you read some of these stories or you watch a lot of the kids in the hospital that your room are next to pass away, you start to have these thoughts that your kid is next. But I stopped saying one day that I didn't want my daughter to die, and I started saying that I wanted her to live. I started putting positivity out into that world and just making that small change and saying that I wanted her to live instead of saying I didn't want her to die. It gave us a different perspective on our fight. Amen. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, going back to really the, the turning point in your life, so 
you had given your, your life to God and, and, and had gotten baptized, and, and then all of a sudden all of this, this takes place with, with your daughter. So, so let's go back to that moment where, where your life starts changing from a, from a faith perspective. What, what took place and, and what led to that, that moment, which now you look back, was so crucial to prepare you for what you ended up having to go through. Yeah, I, I decided to take a walk of faith because it was so much going on um, in my life during my second year in the NFL. You know, I had dislocated my elbow against the Lions, and I fought back from that. Five weeks later, I blew out my back uh, against the Steelers, ended up having back surgery. And then a couple of weeks after that, I almost died from having blood clots in my lungs. Mm. It just felt like my world was crashing down on me. And my wife, you know, told me God was trying to bring us closer to him. Maybe we needed to get back into church and build a closer relationship with God. So I decided to do that. And I'm glad we did, because I honestly believe that if we didn't get baptized, if we didn't give our lives to God when we did, then we wouldn't have been able to make it through this battle with Leah, because it wasn't my strength that got us through this fight. It wasn't Leah's strength that got us through this fight, but it was our faith that God was going to see us through this dark time. Man, he provided the strength. I love it. So encouraging. Devin Still, our guest right now on Unpacking It. His book is called Still in the Game, Finding the Faith to Tackle Life's Biggest Challenges. And, and so you, you put together th- this book and, and you, you share your story. What was that, that process like, writing and, and, and kind of taking on this project of, of putting, putting the story down on paper? You know, I feel like, Everything that has transpired since Leah was diagnosed with cancer has really been inspired by God because, you know, I I never wanted to write a book. I never planned on talking about, you know, my daughter's story really going in depth more what happened behind the scenes that the camera weren't able to see when Leah was battling cancer. I never planned on doing any of this, but when I got injured with the Texans in 2016, I had to have surgery. And my mom flew down to Houston to help take care of me. And I was on a lot of pain medicine. And I was falling asleep on the couch constantly throughout the day. And one time I had woke up and my mom must have been watching the OWN Network. She was watching Oprah's Super Soul Sunday. And Jack Canefield was on there talking about Chicken Soup for the Soul and how the stories in his book were used to inspire people to overcome their struggles. Mm. And it was like in that moment, something overcame me when it said that somebody needed to hear my story, somebody needed to hear my testimony, because there's a lot of people who reached out to me on my social media asking me how I was able to overcome all the things that I faced in my life. And I felt like I was being selfish by not giving people the playbook that I believe God gave me in order to overcome my obstacles. So in that moment, I decided to go into my room and write down all the things that I've been through, how I was able to overcome and I just pitched it to a publisher, and they fell in love with it. Ah, man, that's so cool. Throughout that process of, of writing this, this book, were there aspects of the story that were, were difficult to, to put down on paper or, or anything that maybe you were hesitant to include, but then you ended up adding it to the book anyway because you felt like, yeah, this really needs to be a part of it? Yeah, it was tough um, writing that book because you have to relive a lot of experiences in order to, you know, make readers feel like they were there in that moment. But it was also therapeutic and it was eye-opening because there were certain things I didn't know about, you know, my daughter as she was going through her battle that she was able to explain now that she's older. For instance, uh, when we were writing the book, 
because she was in Philadelphia, I had to make the decision to go 500 miles away to Cincinnati in order to have the health insurance in order to pay for her treatment. So I was constantly flying back every week after uh, our football games. But during the week, I would be FaceTiming my daughter. And when we'll be on the camera, I would just see her changing, like getting skinnier, her hair falling out, eyebrows falling out, her throwing up, machines hooked up to her. And as a parent, all I really wanted to do was to hug her and kiss her and let her know it was going to be okay, but I couldn't because I was 500 miles away. Mm. And when I would see her on the camera, I would just want to break down and cry. I didn't do it because I wanted to hold it together. I wanted to try to be strong for her so that she was able to be strong. And when we were writing this book, I was telling her this. And then I told her that every time we would hang up the phone, I would just break down and cry. Mm. He told me that when we hung up the phone, she would go into the, the bathroom in a hospital and cry too. And, mm. and when I heard that, it broke my heart because I wish I would have been more vulnerable with her mm. so that we could have just broke down and cried together while we were on FaceTime. Gosh, that's, man. Yeah, that's that's heartbreaking and, and such a, a tough thing to know in the moment what, what's better for her to see you strong or, yeah. or to see you vulnerable. But but I think that's that's great to share today for other people that, that may be going through something similar. And, and along with that, as you look back and so many people rallied around you and, and supported you, are there any maybe lessons for people to hear today when, when we have people in our lives that are that are battling cancer? Maybe they're battling it themselves or they're they're a parent going through it. What are the things to say or not to say? What what you know, what 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 do we need to know about that from your perspective? You know, I, I think the best thing to do, because it's tough to know what to say. It's yeah. tough to know, you know, what that person is thinking, because I, I can be honest about my situation. I, I didn't always share my thoughts with people like I live under the same roof with my wife and she didn't even know all the things I was going through because I didn't know how to explain it. I didn't think that people really understood what I was going through mentally trying to, you know, balance playing football and still being there for my wife. So I think the best thing is just to let people know you're there for them, whatever they need you to do. If they ever want to talk that you're there, but you don't want to try to force and push somebody to talk until they're ready, because it, it, it's a tough situation to go through, and people have to be able to process it. And just like on the other end, if you're the person who's going through something, you have to be able to open up. You have to allow yourself to be vulnerable, because people don't know what to do for you unless you ask. And there's a lot of people who want to help, and you can't feel like asking for help makes you weak, because it's going to take a family, it's going to take a team in order to beat this type of struggle or any struggle that you're facing in your life. Amen. Amen. Devin Still, our guest right now on Unpacking It. Kind of last thing as we we wrap things up with Devin today. Uh, Man, it's an awesome story of of perseverance and inspiration. And and now you've really taken on this role as as being a a life coach and a a motivational speaker. And and you're kind of calling yourself the, the comeback coach so, so how did this kind of come about as far as this was the, the next step in your life and career to, to go this direction? You know, growing up, I always thought that my true purpose was to play football. You know, my destination in life was to be a Hall of Fame football player. But I began to realize through all my struggles that football was not my destination. It was only my vehicle in order to help get me to my destination. And I just feel like right now I'm, I'm walking in my purpose that you know, I'm finally able to give a purpose behind all the struggle I went through in my life with the amount of people who reach out to me on social media, just asking for advice 
on how to get back into the game, how to get off the sidelines when, you know, life has knocked you down so much and you don't know what your purpose are, is and you don't know what you're worth anymore. You just don't know how to take back control of your life. So when I call myself the comeback coach, it's me being able to give people my playbook to help them come back and make their comeback in the game of life. And, you know, I, I like to tell people all the time that in my eyes, I'm just the assistant coach that in my life, God is the head coach. And he's basically helping me come up with the game plan and give it to other people to help them. So cool. I love that you're, you're taking that approach. And the book is called Still in the Game, Finding the Faith to Tackle Life's Biggest Challenges. He's Devin Still, former NFL defensive end. Man, really appreciate you coming on. Appreciate your, your honesty and vulnerability and just such an encouragement to me and all of our listeners today. So, so really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me. All right, absolutely. There's Devin Still joining us here on Unpacking It. Sharing the personal side of sports, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA. Hey, hey, it's Bryce Johnson, and really appreciate you listening to the Unpacking It radio show each week. But I want to invite you to check out our website, unpackingit.com, so that you can sign up to receive Unpacking It each day in your email. That's right. We send out an encouraging, challenging, inspiring word uh, through email. It's, it's in written form. It's a, a devotional that takes a current sports story, relates it to the Bible. We call it Unpack This. And you can subscribe for free by going to unpackingit.com. It's designed to help you grow in your faith and, and help you understand the Bible better all with a little sports and some of the cool stories going on in the world of sports. And so we encourage you to check it out. It's for you, and it's about two minutes each weekday in your inbox. Check it out, unpackingit.com, and subscribe to Unpack This. And while you're at it, be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well. Going beyond the field, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA. And joining us now is former NFL tight end Reggie Kelly. He played 13 years in the NFL with the Bengals and Falcons and played in college at Mississippi State. He was drafted in the second round of the 1999 NFL draft by the Falcons. He is now the owner and founder of Kaivan Foods, launched in 2008. He's also the author of the book Prepared Body, Mind, Spirit. He joins us today on behalf of the Gridiron Greats Assistance Fund and Pork Rind Appreciation Day. I'm excited to welcome Reggie back on Unpacking It to talk food, football, and faith. Reggie, thanks for joining us. How are you? Bryce, I appreciate the opportunity to be back on the show. It's been since 2016 that I was on, so I'm starting the year off really great here in 2019 by being on Unpacking It. It's an honor to be here to talk about football, food, and faith. Hey, they all equal so much fun. <laughs> Absolutely. No, great, great topics to discuss. And, and we'll start with football, and, and we'll talk about the Super Bowl. And, and I'm just curious, as a former player, what is your perspective of the Super Bowl in, in general? And, and are you intrigued specifically by this year's matchup? Well, you know, um, I think, you know, over the, the years, especially my era in football, the Patriots have been doing it and doing it at a high level. 
uh, for so many years. So we've come to expect them to be, you know, a, a playoff contender. And also, we also expect them to actually play in the Super Bowl. Um, they have a great nucleus uh, led by a great owner and great coach and obviously the best quarterback to ever play the game. And they just know how to play within the scheme and to play unselfish football. So we're always expecting them uh, to be in the Super Bowl. You know, they had some kind of like an up-and-down season, but at the end, which is when it really counts, they pulled it together, and now they're back in the big dance. Um, as far as the, the L.A. Rams, really didn't know if it would be the L.A. Rams or the New Orleans Saints, but it came down to those two teams in the championship game. And as we know, that was one big controversial call. <laughs> and, and, you know, depending on the way that call went, we may be looking at another team playing in the Super Bowl, but that's how the game goes. You know, my coach told me a long time ago when I came in the NFL, one man's misfortune is another man's good fortune. Hmm. So the New Orleans Saints' misfortune ended up being the Los Angeles Rams' good fortune. And so I wish both teams, you know, great success in the Super Bowl. And let's see who wins it. That's right. It's going to be fun. And so why do you think they've been able to have such such instant success since Sean McVay took over as, as head coach? Because it, it feels like well, it, it's happened overnight. Well, it's because the type of coach that he is, you know, the, the type of coach that, he, you know, that, they, that they knew he would be when they brought him in. And he's a young, dynamic coach that has a lot of energy. Uh, he's very creative, very competitive, as you well know. But he's also a player's coach, from my understanding. The players love it. And as, as, as I played in the NFL for 13 years, when you have a coach that you love, you go out of your way to make sure that he succeeds. Mm. You go out of your way to play injured, play hurt, play sick, because you don't want to let him down. Because why? You know he'll never let you down. And it, it, it says a lot about that coach that the players are playing to that level. But let's not mistake things. They have some great talent as well, especially with that young quarterback. They have some really good receivers, two really good running backs, and a defensive line that's second to none um, in the NFL, in my opinion. And so they have the talent. They have a good nucleus of players. But their head coach, he sparks everything. Absolutely. We're talking with Reggie Kelly, former NFL tight end. And uh, we're going to talk some food in just a little bit. But, but as you look at the success of the Patriots and, and the longevity that, that, that they've had and you know year after year, the, the consistency, what, what principles do you think are, are even transferable that we can kind of from the outside looking in implement into our own lives? Are, is there anything that maybe you've even learned as a business owner as you watch what New England has been able to do and, and sustain the level of success that they've, they've, they have been for the last 18 years or so? It's very simple to me. When I first came in the NFL, I had a receiver, a veteran receiver, all-pro receiver by the name of Terrence Mathis. Terrence yeah. Mathis played for the Atlanta Falcons for so many years. He played in an era where you ran the ball first and you threw the ball second. But yet, even though we had that type of an offense, most offensive uh, sets were geared toward that. Terrence Mathis was one of the first receivers to constantly score, you know, catch over 100-plus passes in the NFL season, which that was unheard of you know, back then in that era. And Terrence, Terrence told me one day, he pulled me over to the side as a young rookie, you know, coming in as a rookie, you think you know it all, right? <laughs> coming in as a rookie, you think you can just dominate everybody. And, and I was doing it, but I was all out of control, out of whack. My technique was terrible. I just, my, my whole focus was just simply on dominating people. And Terrence pulled me over to the side and he said, Reggie, listen, man, we know your talent. Uh, we know that you can be a great player in the NFL, but listen, if you do the little things right, then the big things will automatically occur. He said, you know what? You're so focused on, do on doing the big things, the big things, that you're forgetting the little things, technique, 
great footwork, great leverage, great hand-eye coordination. If you put all of those little things and you focus your energy on those little things, the big things are going to automatically occur. And in, and in essence, once I listened to Terrence Matthews, that took my game from one level to the next. I can guarantee you with the New England Patriots that that is their battle cry. Do the little things right. No exceptions. Nobody's bigger than the team. We're in this thing together. And one of the little things that you have to do right is be unselfish. And I think when you, when you do the little things right and you're putting your brothers in front of yourself and you're unselfish, I think that that translates not just in football but just in life, in business. Because when you do the little things right, the big things automatically do occur. And, and to, to continue that, that thought process, how it does translate to, to life, how do you think that translates to our, our faith journey and, and the, the day-to-day walk that we have with Jesus? Well, I think it is important for us to always grow in favor with the good Lord. And I think that in order for us to grow in favor with the good Lord, we have to do those little things right. And, yeah, we're not living in, 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 in the standpoint of legalism. You know, we're living under grace. And I think the good law for grace, but that doesn't give us the right to live any kind of way as Christians. It doesn't give us the right to do any, anything that we want to do. We still have to pay close attention to the details. And if we pay close attention to the priorities that God has already given us through the word of God, it will help us succeed. It will translate to us being more loving, more kind, helping people, not being selfish, selfish selfless, but being selfless so that we can help others. And I think that that's very important to do the little things right. You know, we have to have radical, we have to be radical as Christians, have radical obedience to the good Lord. Exemplify radical love, radical forgiveness, radical humility. Mm. And when you exemplify all those things, you're growing God's favor, and it helps you be everything that God calls you to be. Why? Because you're doing the little things right, and you're taking the attention off of yourself and putting it on others so you can establish the right relationship with God and with them. Amen. That is strong. Reggie Kelly bringing it for us today on Unpacking It, former NFL tight end, and he's the the owner and founder of Kaivan Foods. And so we're, we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But but he joins us today to, to talk about a, a really cool uh, concept and campaign taking place, a, a part of the Gridiron Greats Assistance Fund. It's the Pork Rind Appreciation Day. So, so oh, Reggie, yeah. how, how did you get connected with this and, and, and what are you trying to, to promote and, and, and get behind today? Listen, Bryce, I've been connected with pork rinds my whole life. I just <laughs> love to eat them. <laughs> I am a pork rinds fanatic growing up, you know, in Mississippi. We always had a bag in our pantry. And back then, you know, they only have a few flavors like original and barbecue or hot and spice, but now they've expanded the flavor options to so many different flavors. And you can also get them baked so you don't necessarily have to get them fried. And I tell you, I absolutely love them. I'm thankful for the great folks over at Rudolph Foods for setting up this Pork Rind Appreciation Day. We can enjoy eating pigskin while watching the greatest pigskin game of the year, the Super Bowl. So we're going to be celebrating that on February the 3rd. For all the pork rind lovers out there, please join in with your boy with a big bag of pork rinds. I can't wait. And, um, and I, I'm also grateful, Bryce, for, for the great people over at Rudolph Foods for teaming up with Gridiron Grace um, as well. Um, Gridiron Grace is a, is a foundation set up to help former NFL players who are in dire need of just financial help. You know, for me and for current NFL players, uh, we have, have had the opportunity to benefit from current, you know, current negotiations with the NFL. Uh, so we get great pension plans. We get great health options as well. 
health plans, but there are some players that, that didn't have the opportunity to get all of these great benefits, especially players that played so long ago. Um, and so Gridiron Great stepped in the gap to help out with the health bills, uh, help out with, you know, let's say utility bills, grocery bills, things of that nature. And I'm so thankful for Rudolph Foods for stepping in the gap. And so every bag of pork rinds that's purchased, Rudolph Foods is going to take a percentage of those sales and cool. give them back to Gridiron Great. And so I'm absolutely loving that. And they also are making it a little bit a lot, lot more, more interesting as well, Bryce, by, by setting up a, a, a website, porkrinds.com. And for those who love scratch and win, you can go to this particular website, man, and win a pork rind appreciation day t-shirt, free pork rinds, autographed footballs from Gridiron Greats. And Bryce, check this out. Someone is going to win $2,500 wow. in a year's supply. A pork. I wish it was me. I wish it was you, Bryce. <laughs> I wish it was you as well. But somebody's going to do it. So go to porkrinds.com, guys. Go to porkrinds.com so you can play the scratch and win and, and you can play as many times as you like. There you go. Well, hopefully it's one of our listeners then. So check that out, porkrinds.com, and, and support the, uh, the Gridiron Greats and uh, appreciate uh, you, you being a, a spokesman for that and, and being able to, to spread, spread the word to, uh, to our listeners today. And we're talking with Reggie Kelly, former NFL tight end, played 13 years in the NFL with the Bengals and the Falcons. And, and, and I always love talking to guys after their NFL career when they're, they're doing something meaningful and, and something that they've, they've started themselves, which is always cool. And so you, you started your own company, Kaivan Foods, and, and you've got sauces and salsas and seasonings, and, and it's really grown over the years. And, and I'm curious... Because you wrote a book about being prepared. How did playing in the NFL prepare you to be an owner of a food company? Well, you know, playing in the NFL, you have, you have to be a leader in the NFL. And, and, again, I take things right back to what Terrence Matthews told me. He said, Reggie, if you do the little things right, the big things will, will happen. And so what I did, well, you know, Terrence also taught me, you know, you have to be a pro. That's part of being doing the little things right, Reggie. If there's a big win, you have to be a pro by being humble and addressing the media the right way. If there's a big-time loss where you didn't play well, you still have to be a pro, do the little things right, and address the media the right way. Establish great relationships, Reggie, while you're playing in the NFL so that when you do retire, you can continue with those relationships, and then you can also, you know, have a life after football. You know, Terrence is a head coach here in Georgia, and I still talk to him to this day. Uh, He's a big brother to me, and just those little principles that he taught me, it did. It, It helped me in business, so I know how to treat people. I know how to make sure I pay attention to the details. I know my demographic of people that I have to market to. I have to have great service. Those doing the little things right. And those things have helped me succeed in this industry. And it's very competitive, Bryce. You know, I'm in the barbecue sauce industry, the seasoning industry, the salad dressing industry. Mm. And those in those particular categories are extremely competitive. But by me doing the little things right and being very creative and then carrying out the game plan, so to speak, um, that's helped me to be very successful. Um, we have great products like a honey apple salsa, um, the first ever sweet potato barbecue sauce, believe it or not, Ooh. honey apple butter. Um, yes, we have a honey apple barbecue sauce. So we have a line of different products that um, are available on Walmart, walmart.com, Amazon, even Kroger Ship. And so I just appreciate you always supporting me, Bryce, and appreciate you always, you know, uh, putting me out there so that the customers and fans can hear my story as well. Well, Reggie, man, great to have you back on Unpacking It today. Likewise, Bryce, it's always a pleasure to come on, man. You do such a great job. 
So proud of you, and I pray that God will continue to bless you, man. Let's do this. Let's do this soon. Awesome. Awesome. He's Reggie Kelly. I appreciate it. We'll talk to him soon right here on Unpacking It. Inspiring conversations and intriguing interviews. More Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson after this. Thanks for joining us here on Unpacking It. It's time for our final segment. We call it Unpack This, where I take a current sports story and relate it to the Bible and our own lives. So let's jump right in. One of the biggest topics of the week was how the refs in the Saints and Rams game totally missed a blatant pass interference call as the game was winding down. Assumed to be an obvious pass interference by everyone watching, the refs didn't blow the whistle. The Saints can't believe the refs didn't call a penalty on that play, and the biggest penalty of the day was the one that wasn't called. We know that refs make mistakes and blow calls, but it's hard to accept when such a clear one to make is omitted. But while many of us are still mad at the refs, what if we were more concerned about our own missed calls and omissions in life? Just like there is a difference between the wrong calls refs make and the ones they choose not to call, which are also wrong, there is a similarity when we decide to sin. Sometimes we know it's blatant disobedience when we actively do something wrong, but there is also the sin of omission, which means we pass on doing something that is right. We know what we're supposed to do, but we decide not to do anything at all. The Bible explains, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This especially plays out when we see that people need our help or support and we choose to look the other way. These are the times when we say no to God and fail to do something he's asking us to do. Championship weekend was filled with mistakes by the refs, but the flag that will be remembered the most is the one that wasn't thrown. Today, let's allow this to be a reminder of our need for grace and forgiveness for the times we don't take action on what is right. Let's choose to be obedient and realize it's not just about what we do, it also matters what we don't do. So I hope you're willing to unpack that. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I hope you'll stay connected with us throughout the week on social media and on unpackingit.com. If you have any thoughts about today's show or want to get in touch with me, email me, Bryce at unpackingit.com, Bryce at unpackingit.com. Until next time, I'm Bryce Johnson, and I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sins, he was resurrected, and through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a wonderful week. This has been Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA and Sirius XM Channel 211.